You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'm going to turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass Magazine, to introduce our special guest. Well, thank you, Chris. It's so nice to be here. This is the first podcast I've ever done, and we've decided to add a daily morning podcast for uh, our listeners and readers because we wanted to bring you the latest news about everything happening in the industry surrounding the pandemic crisis. And when we sat down to try and figure out, hey, what's the best way to do that? We found that the information was changing so quickly and there was just so much of it that we felt the best way to do this would be with a quick podcast in the morning that you can throw on in the car or listen to when you're doing 15 other things and just kind of get updated on what's going on at the time. So we appreciate your being part of this and we'll be coming to you uh, every morning for the hopefully not too long. We'll, we'll feel better when this podcast is over because that means we've passed this crisis. And so when I was trying to figure who would be a great first guest for us, my thoughts immediately went to Lyle Hill. Uh, Lyle is in his 49th and a half year in the glass industry. And yes, he did start extremely young, but he's done just about everything a person could do. He's run one of the largest glazing contracting companies in the country. He's also run a large and successful retail um, company with multiple locations, also run an auto glass chain and a window film company. Um, he's operated a lot, worked with a lot of different people, and I think he'll give us um, some very good insight into what building owners are going through right now. And also is going to speak to with us today about what do you do now? Uh, what happens now? So, Lyle, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome, Deb. I'm I'm honored uh, I'm honored to be your guest today. I really am. Thank you. Well, thanks. This is the first podcast I've ever done, so thank you for being here. Uh, wanted to start out by asking you a couple of different scenarios. If you were running uh, your a contract glazing company right now, when when you came into work this morning, what would be the major things around the virus that you would be doing? Yeah, I did duck it, Deb, because again, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna say what I think I would have done, but you know, given the circumstances um, at the time, I, I'm not always sure because, and I'll explain that a little bit. You know, there were times when financially we were strong. You know, we had we had reserves, we had solid receivables, the money was flowing. Uh, you know, in the contract glazing business, there are good times and bad times, and in good times, you would have been able to say to everyone. Hey, let's 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 take early vacations. You know, let's uh, let's cut back. Let's let's go home. Uh, let's use up some of our vacation time. Um, maybe maybe we can survive for a couple of months if everybody takes the ten or fifteen percent pay cut or something. Uh, I I I I don't know. There were other times when because of cash flow uh, and receivables that weren't coming in, and and maybe even liens and lawsuits that you're dealing with, mm. uh, because it's a tough business. And it's mm-hmm. not it's not a cash rich business, you know. Cash is uh, is difficult. Uh, cash flow is is very hard in the contract glazing business. There would have been other times when I couldn't have done that, when I would have had to say, "I'm sorry, but um, we're going to have to we're going to have to lay you off. 
You're going to have to live on unemployment. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'll call you the, the absolute first chance I get. I, I will bring you back to work. I promise you. But uh, we just can't do anything else. There were times when I'm going to tell you two, more than you want to know too much. Maybe there were times when I got the board of directors together. Uh, and I remember times like these when we were really struggling. And I said, listen, uh, we have to set the example here. I'm going to ask all of us to take a 25% pay cut. Uh, and we're going to try not to hurt any of the non-upper uh, management people for as long as mm-hmm. we can. Uh, mm-hmm. And there were other times when I got everybody together, all salary people, and said, we're all going to take a 10% pay cut for a month. And if this, you know, once we get some cash coming in here and we can reverse the situation, um, not only will we, we go back up to 100% of our salaries, but I will do everything I can uh, to get that 10% that you lost mm-hmm. back to you. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's very difficult, you know, from where I'm sitting now to say exactly what, what I would have, what I would have done without knowing backlog cash in the bank debt being due. You know, it's, it's a tough call, Deb. It really is. So I'm not going to suggest that I know exactly what everyone should do. Uh, I think it. I think it is individual decisions. I think it's an individual analysis of where where you're at. Okay. Well, let me jump in for a second and ask you: If you were doing that individual analysis, what things would you be analyzing? Well, I would. I would. The first thing you you look at is the is the your is your bank statement. You know what what can I afford to take in the way of a hit? Um, uh, and uh, one of the people that I consult with, uh, we had this conversation last week. Um, uh, okay, Lyle, what are we going to do? I said, how much money you got in the bank? You know, and he, I said, what do you want to do? And the person told me what they wanted to do, what their desire was. And I said, okay, can we afford to do that? Uh, what, what do we have? You know, what do we have in the bank? What do we have in receivables? How strong is our backlog? Are there unessential costs or people that we can eliminate? Um, a lot of times, uh, I know in my own life and in the lives of other owners, managers, we, we've carried some people that, you know, we probably shouldn't have, or we've um, uh, not wanted to make the tough decision to let that person mm-hmm. that's really not, you, and mm-hmm. Deb, you're a business owner. You know what I'm talking about. I think uh, every business owner knows that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm thankful for the people that are kind and generous. I am. Uh, I think that's the way we should all live. Uh, but there are times you can't be generous and kind, mm-hmm. and you have to make the tough decision. The sooner you make those, the better off you're going to be. Um, and uh, and then it's a case-by-case basis. I, as I said to the person I consult with, um, what can we afford to do? What can you really honestly afford to do? Fortunately, this person does not have a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have some cash on hand. Their backlog is strong. There's no reason to believe that as soon as this is over, they don't come back pretty strongly. They were having a great year until this happened. Uh, so they'll be able to do some things that maybe some others can't. Uh, the, the one thing, and we're waiting for the government to see what they do. There's all kinds of talk uh, about what the plan is going to be. I think the instant payroll infusion is the is the solution. And I do hope they go that way. Um, because I, I, you know, and I know too, there are a lot of businesses out there that are pretty much maybe not week to week, but month to month. Um, mm-hmm. they need X number of dollars of revenue to be able to afford X number of dollars of expense. 
And if your revenue is just shut off, and basically it is, particularly if you're a non-essential business, your revenue stops. Certain expenses are not going to stop. My son was telling me that he got a letter from uh, the landlord this morning, and he was he was all excited because when he started opening, he thought, "Oh, you know, I've got a great landlord. I'm sure he's writing me to tell me that until this virus thing is solved or resolved in some fashion, you know, uh, you can you can postpone rent payments, you know, <laughs> or you have a Aww. month or two free or so." Mm-hmm. And he was convinced that's what the letter was going to say, <laughs> and instead he opened it up and it said. Um, it said, uh, we've just noticed that we've been undercharging you since the first of the year. You had great, great. That went into effect, but we hadn't noticed yeah. it. So you actually owe us more money for January, February, great. and March than you paid us. Yeah, that's what he said. Just, just what great, you want to get you know? now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so instead goodness. of having the yeah. uh, the uplifting mm-hmm. thing, you know, you got the, you know, right. we, we were both, la- he was laughing about it, but you sure. know. You have to preserve your business. Mm-hmm. You have to survive. You hurt everybody including yourself, you hurt everyone if your business doesn't survive. So you have to look at the business and say, what do I have to do to improve my odds of coming out of this on the other end and still being in business? Mm-hmm. That None of your employees have a hope for the future if the business doesn't survive. They're all out on the street looking for a new job. Right. So, you, you know, to your point, you're saying check your cash. That's a major thing. Check your debt and your debt structures. That's another major thing. Um, key relationships with vendors or bankers or anybody else you want to talk to as well. I think the vendors, uh, I, I, I worry less about the vendors than I do about the bankers. Um, mm-hmm. When Having gone through very difficult times on more than one occasion myself, uh, I, I had much more success with my vendors than mm-hmm. I did with my bankers. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the bank, the bankers love to take you out to lunch and take you to the ball game and tell you how great you are. And, and when times are good, do you want more money? Uh, but, uh, that, that, you know, it, as the old adage says, uh, bankers are the first to loan you an umbrella on the day when it's not raining. Mm. Uh, mm. and, and I think that's very true. Vendors, most vendors get it, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, most vendors understand and, and they're very tied to the suppliers. This is mm-hmm. why you should be a good customer to your vendors also. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we beat these guys up, uh, these vendors up, and then we expect them to be on our side when, when times get tough. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Good point. Very good point. Well, I sort of, um, first of all, I appreciate uh, this insight, Lyle, but I wanted to kind of close with kind of your most important group, Um which is, of course, your employees, your team members. Um, what do you do? I mean, what really would your advice be to a business owner? Because um, every employee is being bombarded now by the idea that it's Armageddon. And they're probably yeah. also seeing um, things within their own company that make them think that it really could be Armageddon. So what what do you think would be some of the best steps for our listeners to take with their own employees? That's a very good question, Deb. And uh, I'm going to start with this with this general comment. Um, every company, regardless of its size, has some group of very essential key employees. 
you know, I, I think we've both heard that old 80, 20% rule, you know, 80% of your, your, your company's value growth and, and, uh, overall well-being uh, comes from 20% of your employees. You know, people use that 80-20 thing for all kinds of things. But I think in in most cases in a business, that's I, I do believe that's kind of true. Some number of people are absolutely essential to you. And they will be very difficult to replace. And um, they they not only got you to where you are, but they're keeping you where you are. That group in particular uh, I think you need to be incredibly transparent with. You need to be um, a, a good communicator. You need to share with them, uh, and 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 you know let them let them weigh in. Um, mm-hmm. You may have already made up your mind on some things, but uh, y- y- you need to hear from people. You need to hear from that key group of people that are surrounding you. You know what do you think? Here's what I want to do. Do you think that makes sense? Uh, if, if you get buy-in, that's, that's a tremendous positive. If you don't get buy-in, uh, that might be a little warning sign to you. You know, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing this the way, uh, I should be again, though, at the end of the day, you have, the business has to survive. Um, and I, okay, I'll give you the other side of that then. Can you survive without those key people? Uh, maybe not. So again, that key group of people you have to really be close with. You got to get closer than ever with. Overall, I think you do communicate with everyone. Uh, I think you let them know, um, here's what we're doing. Uh, I don't know that if I was the manager, I would say to my my team uh, in a memo, I want you to know I'm not taking a salary. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think maybe I would let that get out. Mm -hmm. I would probably... Let my key people know, listen, I'm not going to be paying myself. And, uh, you know, I want to see us and let them spread the word. I don't I don't think you want to stand on the desktop and say, I'm not paying myself. Therefore, you know, <laughs> but I think I think you I think you need to somehow show people that, you know, you're uh, you're in this, too. Mm-hmm. It, it's difficult. Deb. This is incredibly difficult. And it's things we haven't, you know, you can look at 9-11. You can look at uh all kinds great, of great recession, yeah, yeah, all, yeah, and but it, a lot of it was localized. You know, I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of it was while New York was rebuilding, the rest of the country was, you know, was going. Uh, mm-hmm. This is this is a pandemic. It's not only nationwide; it's worldwide. Right. I looked at the price of oil. A barrel of oil on Friday, I think, was going for twenty-one dollars a barrel. I mean, I remember uh, reading some time ago where. Uh, it's much, much more than that just to get a barrel of oil out of the ground and shipped to the refinery. Mm-hmm. So do the oil producers shut down? Uh, what, what, what happens? You know, and I, it just all these, all these crazy things going on. Um, just so much uncertainty in the stock market, you know, obviously being taken the brunt of that, but um, tough times, tough times. And it's, but again, if if it was me, I want to be transparent. I want to be open with my people. I want to sit down maybe one-on-one with my key people and say, listen, we're going to get through this. Um, we're going to get through this. I was reminded in my conversation with Doug Stutt this morning, he was uh, he was reading not too long ago, apparently, about the great Chicago fire of 1871, where the entire city almost burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. And it rebuilt. And, mm-hmm. and no doubt, and this is long before Social Security and all kinds of other things, no doubt. Uh, several hundreds of thousands of people stood there and looked at the mess and said, 
we're through. It's over. What do we do now? But somehow through all of that, we rebuild and we rebuild better than we were before. And we're going to learn things from this virus that we didn't know before. And it's, and, and it's going to kick in the drug companies and the research people and the chemists and the scientists and the governmental agencies that, that deal with these kinds of things. And I think it'll, it'll go a long way uh, into seeing that, that this doesn't happen again. Um, that's a little consolation for the person who doesn't have a job today because their business is, is shut down temporarily. But we'll get through this. You know, we're going to get through this. We're going to come out the other side of it uh, stronger than, than what we were when we went into it. Uh, and uh, we, just, we just have to not panic, apply common sense, be patient, and, uh, and hope our government does some of the things they, they're talking about doing as quickly as they can. Great. Well, on that optimistic note, well, thank you, Lyle, for being brave enough to be our first guest and for allowing us to wing it with you and for offering some great advice. We appreciate that very much. And we'll be back in just a minute. This podcast has been generously supported by Glass.com. To receive this podcast each business day, please sign up for the USGNN e-newsletter at usgnn.com under subscriptions. And now to the latest coronavirus updates. Deb? Okay, here's the news of today surrounding the COVID-19 virus in our glass industry. Let's start with a look at the primary glass manufacturers. There have been some rumors that have been circulating out there that certain uh, manufacturing plants could not operate. In particular, people were wondering about Vitro's plant in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. There's some rumors out there that their work had been disrupted. So we checked on that. According to Vitro's Rob Struble, the company has received authorization to continue operations at Carlisle from all the appropriate governing authorities. Rob says that, in fact, all of Vitro's plants remain operational and adds that they are in good, have a good inventory, they're in a good inventory position, and they're remaining capable of serving all of their customers' requirements. So, uh, Carlisle and all of Vitro's plants are operational. Two other primary manufacturers also issued statements last week. Guardian says it plan, it has plans and preparations in place to address any p- potential disruptions at its plants and facilities. And while that they know they know the situation remains fluid, with limited exceptions, their products are crossing borders and getting to customers in a timely manner. And they're continuing to work with their key suppliers to monitor any potential disruptions that may arise. AGC had a similar comment on its website. At this time, they anticipate no material impact on their supply chain during continuing to provide manufacturing products and services to all their customers. They say that they are in good stead and the supply of North America's sourced raw goods are robust. If that changes, they will let their customers know. So that's it for our primary manufacturers. And to all our listeners, please let us know how you're doing. Is it business as usual, reduced hours? Are you moving or shifting inventory to other locations? We want to help you get the word out, so let us know so that we can. On the fabricator front, Garibaldi Glass of Vancouver says it's open and fully functional and that they too have protocols in place to keep everyone safe. Diptech Firo has restricted travel for the foreseeable future, as has just about every company 
company in the country. But as a result of this, any scheduled or pending technical service visits, training, or other business meetings are canceled and they'll have to be reviewed and rescheduled at a later time. DipTech also says they have know of no shortages of raw materials or supplies, and should any delays appear, they will work with their customers toward a solution. And Sierra Lawrence wants to make sure that everyone knows they are considered an essential business and are open for business. CEO Lloyd Talbert says the company has assurances from its suppliers that they can um, that they are still able to provide materials in an almost business as usual way, and they are able to shift distribution to other CRL locations when and where necessary. And in a general uh, sort of an announcement, the U.S. Postal Service has also weighed in on their ability to move the mail. The Surgeon General has indicated through the post office that there is currently no evidence that COVID-19 is being spread through the mail and that the post office has so far experienced only minor domestic impact as a result of the pandemic. Unfortunately, you can't really say the same for the general contractors. According to a new survey released by the Associated General Contractors, AGC, uh, most of you know them by, 28% of its members have reported halted or delayed projects due to the virus. Most of those were told either by a government official or a building owner to stop or delay the project. Of course, everything is fluid and changing by the minute, and we'll be here to help you through it. We'll be back tomorrow morning with another edition of the industry COVID-19 update. This is Deb Levy from U.S. Glass Magazine. Thanks for joining us.